0: i baby. Forty eight and counting. Check one, two.
1: And Joe with a Spider Man shirt on.
0: He does a good job at that the intro, though.
1: video. How you Did you just do that? That's cool. That, you gonna leave that on?
0: Good, good afternoon, everybody. What's up, brother? How you doing? I, I'm doing good. How about you, Dave?
1: Oh, man, doing good, doing good. I tell you what, man, it's hard to it's hard to pull myself away, uh, you know, with the energy that's going on out in the sales room and a lot going on, man. But uh, I tell you what, we we were just talking earlier about how many demos. I, I just feel like the tide's turning in many ways. A lot of dealers are just getting, you know, they're getting it, you know what I mean? I think that... You know, if the dealers are shrinking back, they're shrinking back to the place where I'm not talking to any of them because the dealers that I'm talking to right now, Brett, really are trying to make something happen, and they're looking for opportunity in the middle of an obstacle.
0: Well, I just got off the phone right before we walked in here with a broker who's selling a store, Mm -hmm. and I really think it's kind of the tale of two cities. Remember the old Charles Dickens book, Tale of Two Cities, where the best of times is the worst of times, and Mm -hmm. I think that the dealers that are engaged and active – are doing really well and the ones that are not are looking for an exit and- yeah. That's kind of, I don't, are y'all seeing that kind of stuff as you call around? We are.
1: And, you know, Then the truth of the matter is, you know, I've often said this through obstacles, you don't ever want to wish anybody harm. So just kind of removing that from the scenario altogether, you know, it's better for the business as a whole when you get people that are going to come in and make something happen. and, 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 And it kind of flushes out those that are looking to make an exit. I think that's a good thing for the industry as a whole, you know, because ultimately it's going to make it stronger you know, and it's going to put people in places, you know, uh, that, you know, into those dealerships possibly that can make something out of nothing. I mean, we talked to somebody just a couple weeks ago, you know, when Alex Flores went into uh capital Chevy in Austin and, you know, when he went into that store, you know, years ago, you know, I know we are not in the situation that we're in now, but if you look at it, look what he's done. You know, you get a, you get a producer into a scenario. They really don't look for excuses. They look for, Openings and opportunities to make something happen, and that's really, I think that with anything else, it just goes down to I think that's the repetitive process for success. Period. I mean, there's just there just can't be more excuses than there are opportunities.
0: You got to have reason or results. But no, I, going back to what you said, that we're not wishing harm's way on anybody. I think it's just the natural evolution mm-hmm. is as things change. Some people say I'm going to embrace it. I'm going to go. You know, I was talking to a guy that's in the oil business and. The oil business has those cycles and he's been in it for a long time and I saw him the other day and he said, Brett, I got one more cycle in me and I'm done. And so I think that's what you see with the with with what I mentioned earlier is that some people are just like, I've done well, I don't wanna to have to adapt again. Mm-hmm. I might just I'm just punch the ticket and kinda of like Flores did, somebody let somebody else come in here and take the reins, if yeah. that makes sense. Yeah, yeah I
1: agree. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, you know, we uh got a great panel today. We've got uh, Forrest Elder, uh, GM of uh, Elder Chrysler Dodge Jeep in Cedar, of Cedar Creek in Gunbarrel, Texas. Mike, our producer, said that's the most Texas thing that he's ever heard, Gun Barrel, Texas. Um, hey, Forrest is a uh, great, a great operator. He's going to be on with us for the first time. And uh, Tony Wren is back with us for a second time, but we were so impressed with him. He was in the middle, right in of Seattle. A lot going on up there, but he's the GM and managing partner of Evergreen uh, Chevrolet uh, just outside of Seattle and uh had someone just jump uh had a meeting he had to run into literally as we were starting the show uh so Jared can be hopefully with us uh uh in another day but um but we've got you here man our resident dealer uh owner of four soon to be five stores and um growing and uh I'm gonna do my best to hang in there but man I tell you what what a great panel great great show great questions and we got a great
0: audience well, i tell you what, I, my <laughs> mother's from Texas, and I've never heard of Gun Barrel, Texas, so I'm, I'll be interested to ask Forrest about that and where it's located, and and one one plug, we did it last week, I want to say it again today, because we saw it up here on the board, if you're looking for motivation, if you're looking for for uh, leadership, if you're looking for self-help, follow David's Game Changer podcast, I mean, he, we were just looking at the results here a few minutes ago, he's got eight and 10,000 views of that show every week it's growing on a weekly basis it's powerful I've watched it myself if you need that nugget of information if you need that encouragement follow Dave Villa on Game Changer
1: oh man I appreciate that brother Mm -hmm. and uh you know I gotta I gotta step my dress game up though (laughs) Brett's come Brett's coming in you're looking sharp man every week and uh you know Let me ask you this, man, you know, and I know we kind of talk about this a lot, it seems like, but the reality is, I think that, you know, when you find success, you realize a lot of times it's doing the same things over and over that work. It's really a process. So it's such a process that sometimes for me, for instance, you know, I I have flexibility in my day, but there's some non-negotiables and, you know, looking at uh, the things that you've repeated over and over, you know, we talk about this, but you're in buying mode, you know, you're in acquisition mode, you're in, you're searching for more opportunities. And I know that you don't need more work. It's not that you're looking for something to do. You got plenty to do, but you know, why are you, you know, and and this is, I think helps set the narrative, you know, even for, for most of the audience, that's not, that aren't dealers that aren't buying stores or anything like that. But why are you in acquisition mode? Why do you think that now's the time, you know, or maybe now is the season to do that?
0: Well for me, it, I, I operate under the auspice that you're either expanding or contracting. Mm-hmm. There's no tread and water. And so for me, I mean, I had a stated goal when I started this uh, several years back that we were gonna grow, that we were gonna create opportunities, that we were gonna bring people on our bench. But in order to promise those folks and then deliver on, on the promises, we have to create opportunities. Now at the same time, we don't want to grow mm-hmm. just for the sake of growing. We don't want to grow to put our name on the building. We don't want to grow to announce how many stores we have. We want to grow to put opportunities in people's paths that have executed based on the promises they made us and the promises we made them. And so that's why we're doing it. I also think that you know, in times when 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 things look bleak, mm-hmm. uh, that's when there's opportunities that. People say, hey, I, I think I, I don't want, like I said earlier in this segment, is they don't want to go through the cycle. And so mm-hmm. it creates opportunities for us. But more so than anything else is that we brought people in the organization over the last uh, several years. We've made promises to them on where, on where they could go if they did certain things. And those people have done those things. And so we've got to put the opportunities out there in front of them. Now, that being said, just so I under, I'm clear, we turn down more than we than we do.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Does that make sense? We're not Absolutely. just out there trying to reach and do any deal. Mm-hmm. I mean, we evaluate them, we look at them, we circulate them amongst the team, we scissor it up, and and. We do, we turn down more deals than we. Well, do. Well,
1: I, I think that that you know that somebody could say, well, what am I getting out of that? Right, I'm I'm a salesman or whatever. It's really that way in all the microcosms of what you do. I mean, the reality is there are some deals that you may need to walk away from. There's some things that you need to get rid of in your life. I mean, saying yes. Some people are teach say yes to everything. You know, to to you know to just basically more is better and that's not necessarily I don't subscribe to that I think that time is precious and there are things that you know we need to evaluate and cut out of our time and stop and it's okay to say no because you know the one thing I've learned over the years that the, that I run out of because there's some non-negotiables in my life one thing I run out of is time I mean it's just you can't create more of it you're going to need sleep of some sort because if you don't you're not going to last very long you know bo- burn it at both ends and the reality is you know, you, you've only got X amount of time. And so there's some things it's kind of the calling effect, right? I mean, it's call it what it is, but if I'm going to, if I'm going to, if I'm going to embrace something that's going to do good for me, make me money, get me more deals and prove my process. There are some, some things I need to let go of, even if it yields something, but if I can yield more, then I'm going to call, right? Then I'm going I'm to replace the lowest on the totem pole, so to speak, with return. Well,
0: well I think to, to speak to your point, <coughs> right, because you said what would a salesperson, what would a service advisor, what would a technician, what would, what would the layperson get out of that, right? Mm-hmm. And what I would say to get out of that is, as I've grown as a person, I used to say yes to everything. I used to put my hands in a lot of stuff. And what I realized is I have to find the three or four things that I do well, and I got to stay focused in that zone mm-hmm. and focused 100% of the time. And so as a as an individual contributor, you figure out what you do well and that's what you do on a daily basis and you go to work to try to improve yourself there, try to educate yourself there, try to motivate yourself there, bring in outside resources and that will pay dividends for and then and then secondary is to share with your supervisors where you want to go mm-hmm. and ask them to help you get there. If mm-hmm. that makes sense.
1: That's good stuff. Yeah. That's good stuff. I uh, Well, I, Mike, our guests are locked or loaded. Yes, so we got two on. We have two on. One dropped out right before the show happens. This is the car business, and, uh, and a TO comes first, right? And it's good to know that there's a lot of business going on. But let's bring on our guest right now. We have, uh, and I'll throw it to you, Brett, for the first question. We have on Skype with us, we have uh, Forrest Elder. He is the uh, general manager, Elder, Chrysler Dodge Jeep uh, Ram of Cedar Creek in Gun Barrel, Texas. Again, you don't, get, you, you don't get a name like that without having a story behind it right so i want to find out that and we have tony Ren. tony is the uh, gm and managing partner of evergreen chevrolet just outside of seattle gentlemen thank you so much for joining us and uh we uh, we appreciate it we know you're busy and you got a lot of things going on so hey brett let's uh let's just jump right into it
0: well when we kind of came up with this topic it, it was keyed off one of the shows where they said where some of the leaders of the organization said why don't y'all talk about something relating to employees that uh, in areas that you didn't come from because the the gentleman's comment that brought it up was like most of us came from variable operations right we started as a salesperson or sales manager something along those lines and now we find ourselves leading parts people leading service people leading the office and so to key off that question is is Tony let me ask you what was the first lesson that surprised you in leading someone that's not in your areas of your strength? Oof. Tony, you're muted. You're muted, Tony.
1: This is it on our mic. So Forrest, can you hear us?
2: Yeah, I hear y'all. Okay. <clears throat> you hear me?
1: Yeah, yeah. Can you, you you wanna you wanna throw that we'll throw that question to you first? Uh, we'll pull Tony's that- audio up here same question
2: well you know it's actually uh one that's pretty close to home i mean obviously I, like most of everybody else in this business we start on the side and work your way up and kind of go from there um, and i had the uh, fortunate uh, uh I guess gift to to get to open the store about 18 months ago and and fixed operations is something that obviously i can manage on a number scale but like any else got percentages and and my numbers on metrics, my KPIs and everything sort that I want to hit. But uh, what, uh, what I didn't realize is how poorly, uh, I knew the processes <laughs> and, uh, uh, you know, not so much, you know, obviously the processes are, you can read the book and look at the processes and, and kind of know what, what, what you need to put in there. But it was the, uh, the implementation and uh, inspecting what you expect of the processes that I did just a poor, poor, poor job of when we first opened up over here. Uh, and luckily, uh, Right. I took a good look in the mirror and realized how poor the job I was doing. I mean, I personally, I think it's, that's on me and I'm a people, uh, you know, they can't uh, do their jobs. If I don't set expectations for them. So <clears throat> basically,
1: is it one of those things where you just kind of were I guess, uh, looking at it, maybe just saying it, or it'll or take care of itself because that's kind of in the, you've, is that kind of where it started? Maybe.
2: Well, not so much take care of itself. So I, I, like I said, this is a brand new point that I'm there now. Gunbaro. So, uh, There was no existing SCA point here, any source. We opened up, built it from ground up. Uh, I put, you know, my crew together, and uh, every other department I had a a guy that I knew was a tried and true good department head. Uh, My GSM, used car manager, parts manager, my controller. Everybody was just stellar. I had just great track records, did really good jobs. And in my infinite wisdom, I decided to bring in a yeah i've never been a full-blown service manager but had been a uh a uh, lane manager assistant service manager some of the sort but never been a service manager had to deal with technicians and customers and advisors and you know warning clerks and everything sort of all one time and uh and which me not not having to always having a i guess tried true service manager before so I didn't know exactly what I was doing, and he didn't know exactly what he was doing. And let me tell you, that was a great, uh, great rescue for disaster <laughs> service department. Yes. So I guess my my biggest thing on how to lead somebody, or you know how to lead a crew, would be first off, make sure you find somebody that's experienced in the area. Um, you know, I, I come from a rodeo background. It's kind of like uh, learning how to rope when you're riding horses. Learn how to rope. It don't it doesn't work real well. Uh, but if you have somebody that knows their job and you set your expectations. You set their expectations and, and listen listen their ideas. Listen to, to what their suggestions are, and don't try to, uh, you know, micromanage them to an extent. Manage the way you manage, but uh, you know, let them do their thing. And, and as long as you have the same morals and values, and the same goals as you, hire uh, yeah. the right person, trust them. Um, and essentially, when you lead them, lead by example. And that's uh, maybe not knowledge based if you don't know as much about that department, but it's more of of you know taking care of the customer, coming customer service all the way around, and everything else. So that's, good. Uh, that's my example. I mean, don't don't try to don't try to essentially uh, act like you know everything when you don't. Uh, be humble about it. Learn from them. Uh, grow yourself as a manager. That's uh, what I've tried to do. And uh, you know, like I said, let them do their thing and go from there. That's my suggestion.
0: But, Tony, can you hear us now?
2: I've been able to hear you. Can you hear
3: me? We
0: can hear you now. Can you you want to weigh in on that one? That.
3: How about that? Well, yeah, you know, uh, I, I, I was trying to say, you know, when you're when you're dealing with service and parts, and I am from sales and from sales on up, I'm doing this a long time, but when you're dealing with service and parts, it, you just, you got to jump in the game with them, even if it's not your expertise. So we talk about, you know, service advisor, we do sales training on, you know, seven o'clock Wednesday mornings for service advisors, and it's not much different than training salespeople. The sales, the sales, the sales, and service advisors need the help. My, my management with technicians and with counter and back counter people, you know, I just make it a habit to, to say hello to them every day, sit and talk to them every day, come back, find out what they had for friggin' lunch, uh, uh, buy a couple things for the lunchroom once in a while, and you just stay in the game with them and I'm constantly I, I, you know, I think more than anything else, I ask them if they have enough work and this is the kind of work you like and show me what you're doing and it takes less than three or four minutes and all of a sudden you're in the game with me, you know where they're going on vacation, you know where their next trip is, you know what their travel trailer looks like, you know, whether it's this or that or whatever. And if you're in the game with them and you don't have to have the expertise, you gotta be in touch with them every day. So the, the constant touch uh, doesn't require me to to have the in-depth knowledge that they do but in the end result is we all know what the efficiency is and we all know where we need to be uh, hours per our and everything else and if we're working through it and working through it together we got a happy, happy plan on our, on our hands so that's that's what matters
1: I had a question you know this kind of it's not a script here but this is something that I've I've often wondered regarding I'll go to you uh, Forrest you know, because I'm assuming that, and I can only assume this. I mean, it may not be the case. And then, Tony, I know you, you've owned stores f- for a long time, so you may have never had this experience of working for someone in this case. But I know a lot of GMS. Let's just look for at GMS that are listening right now, that are that are variable, right? You know, set. mindset. Yeah. yeah, mindset, and they work for a fixed or a GSM, and they work for a fixed. You know minded general manager there are those you know i don't think the challenge goes one way i think there might be a challenge of those individuals looking and understanding a very sales focused you know uh you know front uh, variable guy you know so i mean force have you ever had a situation like that in earlier in your career where you were working with for someone or with someone that might have had that mindset as well i mean because i think there's a because here's the deal i mean the reality is when you're in charge of both sides i mean in, in your in your compensated that way obviously the ownership is but you know the back end should you know should be the healthiest i mean it's really important right but yet it doesn't get the glamour and uh so sometimes you know so i mean wh- why why do you think there's this void in between the front and back end you know when it really comes down to this I mean, serious profit on both sides
2: well sure and, and honestly uh you know your fixed operations you're essentially selling something that the doesn't necessarily have a hard cost associated to it other than, a you know, a, whatever you're paying said technician, but you're selling it an hour later. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, there's just, you know, a finite amount of that, obviously, but you know how I many you're going to have every day and how many available, and it's a lot, easier, a lot easier to forecast what's available, what you can do there. But uh, to be honest with you, it's not as popular because it's not as sexy. I mean, there's nothing sexy about fixing a car as opposed to selling <laughs> that, you know, you know, SRT 392 Charger out there. And you know your salesman, they're flashy. I mean, go to. I mean, you don't think of the car business. Think of a grungy technician back there. What, you know, honestly, probably one of the most intelligent people in the building. Because I don't know if you've seen cars nowadays, but uh, <laughs> it's quite ridiculous on the amount of technology on all of them. But and that's what's that's why I think you're seeing a little bit more of that transition phase too, though, because you're you're not having some of those shade-tree mechanics and stuff like that that, that you had before that can kind of take place of these technicians. I mean, these aren't. Mechanics anymore. They, I mean, they're certified. They're they're technicians. They're technical in what they do, and they have to be uh, stellar in what they do. I mean, there there's very small margin of error in the stuff, and, and they have to be uh, you know students of the industry in order to be great at what they do. You can't be a, a so-so technician and get very far because you're going to cost somebody a lot of money, and uh, it's just the margins keep growing smaller, just like everything else. And uh, it, it, it the, the margin of error is just, is just so much smaller now, but as far as that goes, what? A, personally, I've never been that experience, Never been in that situation where I've, I've had to work for a, uh, a, a fixed-minded, you know, general manager of any sort. Um, however, in my 20 group that I've been in for quite a few years now, some of the best operators in that group, uh, managing parts of the store stuff like that, came up on the fixed side, and I, I think that they're a little more calculated just in general than probably some of the variable guys are Um, a little bit less risk-taking probably do a little bit better job of uh, maybe expense management, some other stuff because there is so much that you're not going to go make that, you know, three, four, $5,000, you know, gross profit lick on a service job that you get done in an hour and, and, you know, make up for a mistake. You make a a mistake and it could take you a day and a half to make it up or two days or a week or whatever the case may be. Hmm. Uh, And I just think in general, they're a little more calculated. Uh, And this is like I said, just an assumption just from, my observation outside looking in obviously but they, they tend to be a little less uh volatile probably a little bit they're a little more easy going they don't get riled up in their bags they're used to dealing with customers Or essentially everybody they deal with is just pissed all the time everybody <laughs> comes in that's why uh, they call it fixed, you know, <laughs> fixed. <laughs> exactly <laughs> exactly because everything's, <laughs> uh, you know, everything's fixed yeah everything's fixed and and yeah i say I, i've said it from that one i mean everybody comes across a service drive is not in great mood. so they're used to dealing with just frustrated people all the time, and so they—they, they, you know—you just can't rattle them. Hardly the good mm-hmm. ones. And uh, you find a guy like that, and and they typically will end up mm-hmm. making a great manager because they're good at the dealing people. That's what they've done know That's essentially what we do. That's good. But.
1: That's good stuff. Very good. I—I uh, I mean, Tony, you want to take a crack at that? I mean, I—you know—I that wasn't on our, our list of questions. It's just something that I mean, and again, I, I think Forrest covered covered it. But I mean you know, have you, have you seen that in some colleagues and individuals as well? Cause I know you obviously are, are running your own store and you're, you already said you're variable minded, but.
3: Well, you know, I, I, I don't think, I don't see that big division between sales and service, at least in our organization over the last 20 years, I've been in other organizations that do have a big wall set up, but it basically was pay print, pay print related in, and, you know, somebody was making money at somebody else's expense instead of all pulling on the same rope. And if if we're all trying to get every car on the lot by Friday afternoon and we're, we're pacing it from Monday to Tuesday to Wednesday to Thursday, and the advisors are on the same program as the sales managers, and we all are pulling on the same rope, and you know, we have the same objective, and they know there's hey, there's some guidelines. They, there's 23 cars to get through service between now and Thursday. Uh, and that has to be done and this has to be done and we're all in it together. I mean, it's, it's not, it, it's not it, there shouldn't be this unless you have some broken pay plans, I would think.
0: Um, well, I think that probably, I, Tony, that probably comes from leadership though. I mean, you're, you're probably leading in that realm because I think to have um, a cohesive uh, uh, parts and service and, and variable, it has to come from the leadership managing that. I don't believe that you can have that just with a pay plan. You yeah, pay plans incentivize certain things, but still people get suspicious, you know, variable people get suspicious that they're trying to load the car with too much stuff. Fixed people get suspicious that they're trying not to fix the car and, and, and put the customer in peril. And I think what you're saying is, is you've done a good job of leading that and bridging that gap so that the two sides kind of come together and understand one another. Is that fair to say?
3: I think we just hang out together and we do it together. We have our 15 year parties together. We do put the people together. You know, I I just don't see the big division between sales and service unless you've built some large walls that can't, you can't get through. And typically, you know, I say it's not all pay plans, but, and you're right, there is, it has to come from the top, but that's almost a given. I mean, that has to be the goal of a general manager is to put sales and, service and parts working together as one so if that's not the goal i mean certainly you have to fix that but if that given then you got to get rid of all the natural fences the pay plan problems and the and 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 some some incentive issues that work against what you're trying to accomplish i, mean, if I, I want just a wanted a 72 to give you seventy two hour preconditioning deal then it's got to be 72 hours for everybody not just for this used car manager
0: i i just you know, wanted I to give you some credit because I, you were putting into a pay plan and there's a lot of people out there, and and most of the stores that I've got, I've acquired, and most of them had a had a fixed deal that was like this, and we had to fix all that, and 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 I just wanted to, you know, to give your credit oh, and, you. and tell that story because a lot of people don't get that, a lot of people don't realize that you have to lead that from the top, and you have to mitigate those those decisions between those departments, and you have to build those bridges and build those relationships and you got to help uh, each each department understand the other one's mindset so to speak
1: yeah I mean and, and what and if nothing causes you to probably want to solve that more than owning this st- owning the stores you know because I mean it's your is your money it's your baby right you got to try to fix that it, you know it's funny we keep using the word fix you said fix fix fixed but, is fix fixed. that's
0: what it is I mean those people know what time they're coming to work what time they get off what their day looks like it's usually set up a day in advance I mean Whereas variable, it's you know t- going back to Forrest's point. I mean, it's all over the map. You know, I might I might roll the dice. We hey, we might call Dave and buy some extra advertising and hopefully do a hundred grand by Friday. I think you yeah. That'd be a good they idea. They don't do Forrest. that. They don't go buy you're an gonna, engine and say cool. let's let's hope somebody comes in. We can put that engine in. That'd car be that'd way. be a good idea, Forrest. I'm, I'm,
1: I'm, I like that idea by the way, what Brett said. But mm-hmm. hey, let me, let me ask this. Yeah, I'm, going I'm, I'm going off script. I'm going off script. I'm gonna throw it back to you, there Forrest. You are. It just it's okay if i go off script here i know you wrote some good brett always writes great questions and i always you guys i've always done this you start talking and then all of a sudden man you give me ideas but um you know i mean i'm i always lean to the variable side here i go again right but it has something to do with fixed you know i mean i'm thinking of how much opportunity because i mean it's it, you know going to dealerships that don't have processes right or that don't see the opportunity or think maybe you know i've got so many leads you know that i you know i and they, they're looking sometimes for the lay down or the walk, you know, the walk in or, you know, the the, the advertising lead. They, they forget that their customer base and the, the the service drive. Right. I mean, you have this customer that comes in that's in a might be in a great equity position that's sitting back there in the lounge. I mean, Forrest, I mean, in your training for your store. Right. And how you uh, what you expect. I mean, is that an important is that an important aspect for your salespeople to be able to, you know, let's call it cherry pick. Let's go out and just find, you know, customers that are back there in the fixed department and and convert those into now deals. I mean, do are, are, you guys have a pretty strong plan for that?
2: Yeah. And, and once again, I mean, we're, we're just now to the point where we can start kind of pulling some of yes. our past customers off the drive. Right. But, you know, the, the store I was at before this was there for, you know, 35 years. I mean, so it was a huge, huge, huge selling point. Actually, the, over there, I actually hired a guy, and that's all he did was – he was an old salesman who had a bum knee and couldn't hardly walk around a lot anymore uh, and uh, ex-military stuff. And I, I hired him and, you know, just said, hey, man, I want you to sit on service drive. And he's that old fellow that's out there and drink coffee every than all of them anyway, so he's out there and drank coffee, and I, he'd sell 15 bunches off service drive. And but as far as our process here, uh you know we're we we have some stuff in place to where we're we're starting to get some of that, uh, you know, kind of residual, I guess you say, trickle down from from previous customers sold. But there was a large, I guess, a large need for for a, a service work on SCA vehicles out here where we're at in this general, you know, let's say probably twenty-five thirty mile area that people are having to drive. 40, 50 miles to get there to a different dealership. So we're starting to see a lot of these customers come over and give us the opportunity to earn their business, which, like I said a minute ago, I almost did a really good job of completely messing up in my uh, first few months with the uh, wrong people here. And luckily I uh, uh, was fortunate to get that fixed. So we're starting to get those customers that are here and, and catching them on a lot. I mean, do we know what the kind of equity situation around from that? no so I mean that's a little bit of a disadvantage as opposed to maybe you know we'd sold in the past but it's a huge untapped resources in most dealerships that that you don't realize really until you start kind of seeing the effects of, of what it can do to your bottom line by by capitalizing on that um uh, you know a, a good means? friend of mine actually has a dealership okay oh, i'm sorry oh oh well no yeah that's a good, a good friend of mine has a dealership not far from uh, you guys there in uh. Clearwater and St. Pete, uh, Dayton Andrews. Mm-hmm. And, uh, they actually implemented a, a sales team, a, sale, a sales, manager and a salesman just for the service job that the, the nice. service customer doesn't even make it into the showroom. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we look at it 20 groups and stuff and, and it's been pretty, pretty dang neat what the incremental sales that's brought to the store and the gross is there. Cause those customers, I mean, <laughs> they're B essentially are repeat customers. So, you know, they convert it at a higher level and, typically make more gross on those customers so you know i was going to
1: ask that. it, and maybe tony can wait I, you you i'm sure you have an answer for this but i mean my question my, my thing has always been you know i know it's awkward because they're there for another reason they didn't come on your lot to look at a car so maybe maybe it's a different word track you know we walk up to them we, hey how you doing you know but if they're in the service drive they're there and i think maybe that's what you know it seems it, it doesn't it seems over able to be overcome, but the, the, I think a lot of times it might be the approach. You know, what I mean, how do I approach this customer that's sitting there in the lounge? I'm, what you, are your thoughts? We
0: we have, we train a process and have been doing it for a while because I believe the service drive is, you know, we spend a, and we spend a lot of money trying to acquire customers that we've never met before, but we're not spending a lot of money trying to keep the ones that we already have, and so you know the salesperson always gets upset because you know Miss Jones comes in and she bought from somebody else well she bought from somebody else because you didn't ask her and so the word track that we teach it's very it's very simple it's called up and show and you just walk up to hey David good to see you Um, you know I see you got your car in service hey what if we were able to move you up in years and keep your payments the same Is that something you'd be interested in it's a yes or no question if they say no I'm not then hey listen do you have somebody that you normally work with here no uh, I bought this car from John he's not here anymore great can I get take your name number information stay in contact stay in touch you come in get a cup of coffee now I turned an orphan owner into somebody as a salesperson that I can keep up my database and make sure that they're doing doing well and so it may not be a today deal but it may be down if they say yes then boom we we go straight into it second thing is I'm sure you guys are doing the same thing is when we have service tickets we have salespeople go back there and work with the management and the larger uh, estimates we always call and say what if we can I know I know that I know that John just called you back and you got a $2500 estimate what if we could uh, take care of this estimate through the used car appraisal mm-hmm. put you in a new vehicle you won't have to write the $2500 check and you can get a car with a full factory warranty and you won't have to pay this money and and, and that's 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 paid some good dividends and good results for take us care. and it's also kept from looking up and seeing in the ford store or the chevy store i mean or the, the dodge store or the toyota store seeing somebody else's toyota come in because we didn't ask you know yeah. what i mean yeah yeah solid
1: tony i mean tony do you i see you nodding your head to that this it seemed like that second one kind of fit your well, wheel, your wheelhouse a little more
3: <laughs> it's just you know i i listened to the process it's a good process i wish we were a little bit better at it uh, one of the a different take on on uh, or maybe a different angle or maybe something we could add to it. I I took a salesperson from, oh, 80. I think I hired him originally in 87, sold cars for 15 years. I got out of the business, sold suits for 15 years, came back in the service department, wrote service for, for another five years, became a service manager. I hired him here. I talked him into coming back down to this new store that we opened to uh, sell cars. And he decided he wanted to get back in service. I put him on the service drive. I guess what I'm saying is, I got a salesman on the service drive, and I I almost pay him like a salesman for car deals. So uh, I pay $200 flats to turns from an advisor that sell. And uh, anytime there's a large bill, it's not as structured with a word track, but anytime there's a large bill, we'll see two or three deal turns from the advisors a week. Um, specifically Jay who does a real good job with it because he's been in sales before and he, he thinks that way. But you know going back to this almost a segment before when we talked about the people back there and touching with them. You know the technicians have a- awards that they get from General Motors called Mark of Excellent Awards and they have boxes you know their boxes are 30 grand, and they're 10 inches taller than I am, and you know, 15 feet wide. There's nobody more proud than a than a service technician about their tools, their tools, their awards, and what they got on their box. And you know, if when we get we have monthly, we have a, a sales, service, and parts luncheon on the showroom floor where everybody eats together. They're not allowed to sit the same seats together. We do. Uh, we read off a bunch of good guy letters on how great our mechanics are and our advisors are, and how great this customer felt of us, and all that. And sales gets theirs, service gets theirs. Everybody comes together. We get a mark of excellence award. I mean, when that technician comes up amongst 80 people and gets to the front of the room and gets his little award to put on his box, I've never seen anybody more proud than that. And they are. Once you get that buy-in with sales giving them a standing O and service is, is hat high-fiving the guy who got the good survey and you know, eating together and having fun together and singing happy birthday together, uh, you know, those, those, all those walls are gone and you want turns from service, mm-hmm. it's because they like you and they trust you and they respect you like anything else, like trust and respect, right? So if the advisors don't like and trust, trust and respect their sales, it's going to happen no matter how many word tracks you have if there's not that if there's not that feeling in the store uh it's not gonna work yeah tony Tony,
0: you made that key point though i mean because what you're doing though is you're leading that process and that's what it takes to make that happen and you know whatever you focus on and whatever you make important your people are going to make important and and that's what you're saying by that luncheon. it's not it's the luncheon does great things but it starts from what you value and you're valuing that and you're you're saying, hey, let's give these guys standing ovations. Let's let sales celebrate the service. And that breaks down those barriers and breaks down those walls. I've seen variable managers that get promoted to GM that still have that animosity with service and they look at service as a necessary evil. And rather than, and, and you know, uh, Forrest is laughing because he's seen it too. And, and they look at it as a necessary evil versus something that can be a, a bottom line to the store. And the reality of it is, is that I started out as a used car lot. And if you don't think that that brand and that service department does something for you, go to a used car lot by yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Because. That's a lot of work. Well, I mean. That's a lot of work. General Motors and Ford and Toyota and all that, You have to give them props because they spend hundreds of millions of dollars to get people to come to your store. They're sending people in there with warranties that the customer doesn't have to pay for that are sales opportunities and that are services opportunities. Because one of the things we didn't talk about <clears throat> is we're talk, we we're focused on selling the cars again because we're probably all sitting here. We're all variable <laughs> guys, right? We want to sell something. But what we're not saying is is that if you've got a quality service manager that's teaching those people how to diagnose those cars correctly, those are sales opportunities as well, right? If they're diagnosing those cars correctly and they're – you know the, the worst thing that can happen to your to your customer is they come in and they miss a brake job, they miss a, a a rotor situation, they miss a capacitor situation and then 2 weeks later it goes out and whether if you didn't look at it, they blame you. Whether whether you did it or not, it becomes your problem, right? And if you did a quality if you did a quality thing more than i mean a quality evaluation more than likely you're going to sell that job more often than not and when you don't they're going to come in and go david you told me i should have did that and it's going to generate more value for you in your store
1: yeah that's good stuff yeah we uh let's let's do a, let's do a last question here and give you give you guys a chance just to and then you can ask i guess two more questions we'll ask a question and then brett usually gets a topic question in at the end but you know i just want to ask something kind of in general just you know, it, with regards to you know what we're talking about, and really regards to anything in your leadership. And force we we'll go to you, man. I mean, when it comes to developing influence, right? I mean, you're leading people, and you know, uh, the, the car business. If you want to have a really good store, and I know your store and, and Tony's as well. You guys have you guys have great stores, great. But there's dealerships in your market, or dealerships that you've been around that just that are just doing it. They're just going through the motions. And so my question is, how do you and did you and have you developed influence you know around you i mean how you know when it comes to leadership just to, you know because it's it's not just hey i'm selling cars or this is where i work but they really are buying in they're drinking the kool-aid how do you get them to do that for us and you know if you don't mind me asking
2: no no oh so it's, it's as complicated as it may seem it's uh, in my opinion it's pretty simple i think it starts with the culture um i don't ask my guys to do anything i wouldn't do if, if i need to do it um I'll go back. I mean, if I need you back there and, and detail a car, uh, i have no issue doing it. I'll, I'll help with a lot parties. If you know, heck I've been back there helping yeah. one take change oil. Cause we, you know, we're short-handed. I mean, it's, it's all about if, if you set the right culture and everybody knows why you're doing it and you don't look <laughs> like that, uh, pompous prick sitting there, you doing it just to uh, cash all the money and they don't feel like they're, uh, they're working their butt off for a dime. So I can get a dollar. Uh, that's the quickest way to get somebody to, uh, start animosity, then the culture gets bad, and then you start getting cancers and everything else. But it's all about, you know, take care of your people. They, they'll take care of the customer, and the customer will take care of you. Uh, it's it's, a, it's a real simple mindset, in my opinion. Um, you know, if you take care of your people and they're happy, they'll take care of the customer, and the customer will take care of you. And and it's, he, it's, the one thing a, you're
0: saying, though, Forrest, you're saying it's a simple mindset, but the, what I've found is that, the, that most of the concepts are very simple. The execution yes, is very sir. difficult. And what you're doing, you're discounting it. You're doing the same thing that that Tony was doing. He's discounting what comes naturally to him. What you're doing is powerful because very few people can do what you did. Yeah.
1: yeah. Well, or or maybe they're willing to do, you know? Well,
0: I just don't think they see it like that. I think that they see, you know, most people wait for leadership so they can get the right parking place, so they can get the right demo, so they can, people will listen to them. They can power up, they can shine rather than what, what Forrest was saying, is he puts the spotlight and the focus on the others. And by doing that, when you reach that point in leadership, you shouldn't need the self-accolades anymore. When you get there, you should already know that you can. Now you're trying to inspire David, to, and I'm using David as an example, but now you're trying to inspire David that he can too, right?
2: That's good. Amen to that. I mean, it's, like I said, simple mindset. Isn't it? Uh, I know man tell me about 15 years ago in Lubbock, Texas. I used to eat breakfast with him about once or twice a week when I was going to school up there. Guns up. Sucker. <laughs> yes, sir. Wrecking I saw it. Up, I it's saw it though, above your credenza like, there, man. You, you, saw, you saw me? <laughs> yeah. And uh, this old fellow was a farmer. He didn't look like he uh, he had a pot to pee in. And uh, ended up he had 40,000 acres of farmland out there and probably could, you know, buy your vehicle in the dealership on a lot of cash if you wanted to. And uh, he told me he said, for said, I want don't forget it. said, so you're never better than anybody. I said, everybody you come across is better at cheating something. And, and kind of taking that mindset into it is that the, the same way we can be. I don't care if it's the janitor or the you know, salesman, whatever the case may be. I mean, hell, I've done 90% of the jobs they're doing right now. Uh, so just because I was there at one point and they're there now doesn't make anybody better than anybody else. You take care of them and show that you take care of them. And at the end of the day, hell, they spend more time with us than they do the family most of the time. So okay. essentially, they're pretty much family and it's it seemed to work out well for me i may not be completely messed up in my thought process there but i, I like my i like the uh, results thus far so i'm gonna keep tracking at it and see what happens but it's
0: good stuff how about you tony i
2: I'd,
3: I'd work with them any day so
2: yeah i'd love <laughs> to go to battle with you so
3: well, thank you sir, uh, thank you, sir. You know, hey you know you gotta you gotta be a coach not a boss at least in our stores you do in my store you do you gotta you gotta coach so Coaching means you can walk the walk. Coaching means you can walk out in the middle of the showroom floor, you can take a phone pop, you can schedule appointments 15 minutes one side or the other, and they're going to show. I like that. So you got to take a phone pop in front of 40 people and make it happen. You got to take an up every once in a while, you got to take a turn in the booth, you got to sit in the middle of the showroom floor, not in the back office doing TV shows. I like that. <laughs> so, so
0: let's 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 flip the let's flip. I mean the, that's
3: what it is. Yeah. I mean, get get in the game. Walk the walk. If you walk the walk, your people will walk right with you, side by side.
0: But let's that's flip good. that question though, mm-hmm. um, Tony, and ask. So you say walk the walk, but how do we walk the walk with technicians? Because none. Of, I don't think anybody on this set can diagnose a car. <laughs>
3: Well, it's not it's not diagnosing the car. It's 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 being it's making an appearance and being there with them, acknowledging, you know, what they're doing. Ask them what they're doing. Get involved. What what, what exactly are you doing here? And you're going to get a 10 minute story real quick. And it doesn't take that much of your day to figure out what your shop foreman is doing today. He'll show you. He'll show you how many ROs he has to get through. He'll show you exactly why this intake manifold is this way and this way. He'll show you what he's doing, and then you can giggle and walk away in the middle of it if you want to, as long as he knows that he was talking over your head, and it makes him feel good. And you check back with him three hours later. You know, because you're walking, you gotta go to the bathroom anyway, so why don't you walk through the shop on your way and stop and see how the job's going? And you do that every once in a while, guys, and you're on the team, you're walking the walk with them. You don't have to turn a wrench
1: have to walk the walk, walk. Nice. Nice. We'll, go to your, we'll, we'll let you ask the topic question. The,
0: well, what, we, what we've been doing, and, and um, I don't know if we did it the last time you were on, Tony, but what we've been doing is, is what we're trying to do with this show is serve dealers. And serve dealers where they live, where they are. And bring practical topics and practical applications that are you're going to be able to apply and get a nugget of information because I feel like everybody that's on this set today and has been since I've been here is very powerful people. We've had great show guests, and and you know we all say kind of the same things. But if I can take one nugget from Forrest, and if I can take one nugget from Tony, if I can take one nugget from Dave, then man, I can I can get further faster. And so what we would ask you guys is. And, and we'll start with uh, Forrest, is is what topics would you like to see us cover that would help you and serve you?
2: Well, I mean, uh, and this is gonna sound really probably uh, goofy that, that I'm asking this topic, this question, because essentially I, I'm probably considered a millennial, but um, I, I personally <laughs> have, uh, have, have had a really, really, really tough time figuring out how to manage those guys.
0: Okay, how to I, manage I a millennial?
2: I, and like I said, I know it sounds goofy coming from a younger guy like me, but I, I've yet to figure out what motivates him, uh, other than that's a know, good show, right time there. off and laziness. But, that is um, a good but I, mean, I don't I think like you're we, a probably, I, you I, just don't, or,
0: I don't think you're a typical millennial.
2: <laughs> well, <laughs> I appreciate. It. I will take that as a as a compliment. I hear Lubbock,
0: and, I hear gun barrel. I just don't think that you're a you're a Dallas Fort Worth millennial. <laughs>
2: No, we, I mean there's there's not too many of uh uh I guess we consider uh uh normal millennials in Gun Barrel City America, which uh <laughs> it's uh, quite an interesting place. But um Where is but, it, I mean, way, it's, Where it, is it, Gun it,
0: Barrel City, by the way?
2: It's about seventy miles southeast of Dallas.
0: Okay, so you're on, um, you're southeast of
2: Dallas, okay? I'm about I'm I'm about twenty miles straight south of uh, I twenty. Okay. I yeah, was just awesome.
0: trying. My mother's from East so. Texas, so I was trying to get my bearings of where that was. So. Okay, What? Okay, that's
2: the a great. By is, the way, it's that's a, a big great, place. But it ain't that big. That's
1: yeah. a great topic too. By the way, we we've uh, we we've done a show year a few couple years three years ago on that, but that's a great show. It's needed uh, because uh, some of the best of the best. I mean, I think that there's some definite uh, great insight on that topic. So, how
0: about how about
2: yeah. you, hey, um, it's just, Tony? Yeah, it's been tough.
3: Well, you know, I think. Coming out of COVID and, and and we're you know, we we I, I think I've read a lot I've read a lot of stuff and a, a lot of Facebook stuff and the auto meme stuff and about how coming out of COVID basically we've reduced expense, but we've increased gross and we've reduced expense and we and really it's a beautiful I, I think thing, we're getting it? I think we're getting pushed down the path Digitally, especially up at, you know, maybe I'm a little different up here and, you know, this is a really digital country, uh, and I'm struggling with getting, I, mean, I think my processes are unique and, and, I, and, I, and I think we're ahead of the game there. I do all the pricing of every car new and used, we use a, a, a third-party source for, uh, that creates UAs on trades and, and this, you know, a salesman basically can create their own pencil but I'm 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 a little bit struggling with how to put certain vendors together how to get that whole digital process down line so we can we can put the, the the Carvanas and the Vrooms and the uh, the disruptors at, you know really at a disadvantage cuz they don't have the franchise agreements that we have they're at a big disadvantage but they're taking advantage of dealers because we're choppy we're real choppy on our digital process all the way down the line it's choppy because the vendors aren't all together and and really what that process really should look like all the way down the line i'm getting close but boy i can't tell you how much time i've spent trying to get this all together and i don't feel it's there yet and i feel for other dealers you know, there's going to be some that aren't even close.
0: So so you want to you want to talk about creating a, some kind of digital uh, process well, it, as it relates. You know, there's to, a
3: digital funnel that yeah. we're putting customers down, that the disruptors are putting customers down, that dealers are struggling with. I got you. And even the ones like me that are focused on it for like two years straight. I can't quite get it right. And it's frustrating to me that. We have GM and Ford and Lincoln and everybody behind us, but they're no good at it either. So
0: No, we're on the um, same page. I don't think it, to be
3: honest with you. We're not there yet, guys, and, and I'm mm-hmm. getting a little nervous about it because there's no reason for these third-party used car lots to be able to get us on process. It's really silly to get taken advantage of like this, but we are getting taken advantage of.
0: Love it. Well, I tell you that I don't think that um, – I don't think that it's I know you're in a wired area but I I, I think that all across the country I don't care if you're in Gun Barrel City or in my case in rural Mississippi uh, digital's here man and the 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 most uh, person that you would expect the least to be in digital that's how they're doing it the bad credit people they're doing it digitally and you have to have that process streamlined Mm -hmm. and we're doing the same things but I will say this I guarantee you and you can say it here today on this show that those disruptors won't be successful. The dealer body is no. going to win this war. I promise. They will
3: win. Yeah. But I, I just think that we're disjointed, yeah. and we can come together. And if Dave, do you can help us, we, we'd appreciate
0: it. I'm gonna dig yeah. into this myself too because it'll benefit me and my stores. And, and it's a, it's a good, gr- it's a because this company. is something we're working on ourselves. We're doing the same thing you're doing. But what you're saying is what I'm hearing is is there's five or six vendors. And every one of them does a little different, but they all kind of overlap in some areas and some areas they don't offer. And if you look up, it's kind of the way the the, the, the traditional ad was 20 years ago, is that you feel like you got to be in a little bit of everything. And all of a sudden you look up and you're spending triple the amount of money and it doesn't make sense.
3: Right. Yeah. So you kind of get, so kind of get frozen, you don't do anything mm-hmm. because nothing fits quite right. And that's where I'm at, is I can't get everything to fit the way I want it to fit so I'm not going to spend the money till I get it right. And, you if, know, if you don't mistaken. mind, I'm going to
0: get your number from Dave and I'm going to call you and I'd yeah. like to pick your brain on some of that stuff and maybe give you some ideas that I've got.
3: Yeah. So when you talk about vendors offline, would be better yeah. anyway. Uh, okay, good. <laughs> hey, thank you guys. Hey, excellent
1: show. Excellent show. And, uh, we appreciate you guys coming on and, um, and uh, i know you're extremely busy but we appreciate you guys and we know that that you know what this is going to be some great topics because both of these are uh, phenomenal uh topics and uh, i i i i can't talk too much about it because i want to get into it and start talking about yeah, it yeah same here i mean we want to we'll start a second show right <laughs> like now
0: yeah, yeah. and he's already indicated he's got to get back to the people man <laughs> <laughs> hey guys
1: i appreciate it very much tony and forrest thank you so much look forward to having you guys back Thanks. on soon.
3: nice to meet you forrest
2: uh, Pre- yeah, you too. Appreciate. it. us, Tony, y'all did a great a job, one. guys. Thank you. Man. Thank, you. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Appreciate
1: it. I tell you, man, you know, I can get into that <clears throat> this, both of those discussions. The, the millennial discussion. That we we've done a couple of shows back in the day on that. I've written uh, tons of articles. Uh, we had just an overwhelming where I, re- I wrote an article that's had six or seven thousand views on Forbes on uh, on motivating millennials. And, and I'm telling you, there's a lot because you know if you go out in our office, we've done a pretty good job at it. So and it, what got me thinking about it years ago was um, there's a guy that <clears throat> my father worked for. My father's 66. Uh, I'm 48. He was only 18 when I was born, but he's still, you know, 66 and he there's a guy in his 80s still living that he worked for that was along the lines of a Jack Welch, kind of the former CEO of right. GE, you know, that kind of mm-hmm. you know fired the bottom 10% every month kind of yeah, deal. Which you can't do anymore. You though. can't. No, yeah. but this this guy's eighty-five years old and he's but he's worth about hundred and fifty million dollars. He he sold a company um, my dad worked for it was called the Flyer it's, uh, he, he sold it for $66 million cash. Wow. And uh, then then bought it again three years later for $2 million. That's beautiful. And then sold it again. But anyway, um, point is that this guy, at, when he sold that, was, I mean, this is just in the last decade, it was 80 years old probably then. And he was coming to work. His son owned a company in the building that we were in prior to this, or two two buildings ago. He's walking down the foyer and, he, and we saw each other all the time because he would kind of have an office in there. Worked every day. And uh, he walks by me and he goes, you know, I'd like to pick your brain. I see these young millennials that you have, and he goes, I tell you one thing, I have not been able to crack. And uh, this guy's conquered the world. And uh, he uh, he he was on the team, original team back in the day that, uh, the, that that invented Mastercard. He was on the team at Chase, I think it was. Nice. Yeah. So this guy's done a lot of cool stuff. He goes, he goes motivating the millennial. So that when he when I heard that, I'm like, this guy. I, you know, I got something, that done, something this guy hasn't done. Anyway, he wanted to pick my brain on it. So, my point is, it's near and dear to my heart. Um, and the second topic, I, he's the only dealer that I've ever heard out of his mouth say the one thing that I've emphasized on the shows that we've done about carbon and all these disruptors. They've all said stuff, but Tony's hit it on the head. He said there's no reason that the dealer shouldn't be beating them because we've got the manufacturer, the franchise relationships.
0: Yeah, they just really have an expensive used car lot. Yes. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. And. And, you know, going back to what you said, get a sneak peek in the millennials, I think why most people are having trouble with the millennials is because they're trying to fit it into an old process. Yeah. I and, and, and you can't fit the, the, the lesson there is you can't fit old things into a new process. But the big you mistake you have to blow the process.
1: But up. absolutely, that's yeah. that's one point. And then the second yeah. point is, if you think the millennials, I have heard this. If you feel like millennials, if you if you put them all in one category that they aren't interested in making money that's or having true. freedom, that's not true. Mm-hmm. They they you know so uh, that's also not true. But um, because some of my millennials here will outwork anyone else,
0: and they and they like to make money. You, you know the one. Like, you guys the like one. to make money. You, all, you, uh, you, guys, you guys okay? You know I like to
1: make
3: money, bro. You know I like making money.
0: <laughs> you know, the one thing that we didn't talk about on that show, though, when we were talking about influence and what I was thinking about is, is when we're talking about motivating people in areas that you, don't, that you didn't come from, I think what you have to do is you have to have a couple of key leaders. Like I have a key service director. I've got a key um, um, uh, controller that has tremendous amount of influence with the daily process. And i've been able to mentor those people and borrow from their influence and and influence them and their thought process and how how to motivate train mentor and lead their people so that they've been able to go and they have professional credibility on how to diagnose a car they have professional credibility how to go in there and handle those transactions efficiently and getting better and so teaching them the leadership's portion so that they can use their professional credibility to do the things like i see you doing when you take over a phone call does that make sense to you? Yeah, yeah
1: yeah absolutely well hey if you if you're interested um if, if you think you have some insight on either either one of those topics or you know somebody that does reach out to our team i know that uh you can reach out to mike chair um, you can actually tag him on this show here and uh, or uh, send an email to him at m as in mike Cherup, C-H-E-R-U-P at IPDAgency.com and he'll get you on the show or if you know somebody and, and we'd love to discuss and look into it and see if we, you know, see if uh, they are fit. Absolutely. Hey, excellent show, my friend.
0: Another one in the books, Another baby. one down. It turned, turned out great again. It sure did. Hey, we'll see
1: you guys next week. Thank you.